too. I am Verity Hardcastle. You can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in dogdom. Today, I am joined by one super sexy dog mama who owns a variety of dogs from the Wavy Wheaton to a cheeky cocker. It's Lois Dalton. Hello. Hello. Now, Lois and I go back around eight, nine years now from grooming competitions, and then we both received the same award at Crufts from Asculap. Like myself, Lois has thrown herself into the dog world. She loves grooming competitions, showing, and obviously generally dog grooming, and she is an incredible talent. So a warm welcome to you, Lois. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm buzzing to be invited on, so thank you. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to have a proper catch-up because obviously <laughs> none of us have seen anybody this year. Yeah. We've all been locked down. Yeah. All our events have been cancelled. So it's lovely to have a proper catch-up with you. Absolutely. Because, thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Now, <laughs> we're recording this in the afternoon. I've got a San Pellegrino limonata oh, to drink. Yeah, refreshing. Out the can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Classy bird, out the can. <laughs> What are you drinking, Lois, for this pod? Well, it is, again, two o'clock in the afternoon. So I've gone, you know, easy and gone for gin. Oh, yes! <laughs> as we do, we've gone for gin. And, but I have gone for lemonade rather than a tonic. So that nice. would be my, my choice, usually. So I'm about halfway I, through now, so we're doing well. <laughs> I would have definitely joined you. It's my grandma's 99th birthday today. Oh, I, I know. Oh, yeah, bless her. So oh, I'm going to drive and take her some flowers and her card and everything yeah. and sort of give it to her through the window. That's what we tend oh, to do at the yeah, moment with her. Do through the window. Oh, bless her. Uh, so I'm oh. going to go do that afterwards. So thought better stick to the uh, non-alcoholic substances just yet. Uh, yes, <laughs> Driving with one eye shut and the two kids in the back. <laughs> Not the best. So uh, obviously a warm welcome to you, Lois. And <laughs> you have a grooming salon called Vanity Fur. Thank you. Where are you based? That's a do, yeah. So I'm in Cheshire, a little place called One Corner in Cheshire. Mm-hmm. And you're a seasoned dog groomer, but obviously you show dogs too as well. So tell me about this. How did you get involved in the world of showing? It was, it was crazy, really. So I, obviously it was dog grooming mainly, and I was doing um, dog grooming competition. That's what I bought a Wheaton Terrier for, to get into more dog grooming with a different breed, because I've been competing with Cocker Spaniels. So um got this amazing Wheaton Terrier that I had every intention of um, using for grooming competitions. And one day, I co-own him with um, a couple called Brian and Dylan. And one day they said, oh, come along to a dog show with us because they co-own him. They wanted to show him. So I was like, yeah, brilliant. So I went along to watch, obviously, my dog as well. So I went along. And they said, oh, bring your skirt with you in a jacket just in case, you know, just in case you want to have a go. <laughs> and I did. Um, I thought, right, I'll just have a little go with him. Obviously, because I've been handling him and I've been going to ring craft with him. So obviously he's my dog, so he was used to me handling him. And went in the class, it was only a little puppy class with him, and he won. And then ever since then they were like, well, you can do it then. So yeah, that's how I started. That's just potluck really. But no, it was, it's mental really, but it's brilliant. Did you get nervous putting on that jacket and that skirt to go around the ring? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, mental. Because there's so many eyes on you. I'd, I'd never done showing before. Well, I'd been to like one or two little shows with my Cocker Spaniel, but nothing major and I thought I'd been out of it for a year or two and I thought I'll just yeah go on I'll have a little go I'd watched a few people in the morning to see what they were doing make sure the triangle was the right shape and then <laughs> I just went yeah go on in you go <laughs> so I just yeah got my skirt on and off I went 
I get far more nervous showing a dog in a in a breed show than I would in a grooming competition. I, I just oh, don't get nervous at all for grooming competitions. Oh, don't you? See, also, I do yeah. get nervous for everything. But yeah, I do get nervous for, for competing in the grooming competition. But um, yeah, I'm getting better at the showing, but especially yeah, in a, in a breed specific show, definitely it is, it is nerve wracking. It never does get easier as such with the nerves, but yeah. But yeah. My bit with grooming competitions is when you finish the dog and then they're coming around to go over the dog, that's when I'll get a bubble oh, of, it, well, of like, yeah. oh, yeah. and then And then when they're about to announce the placements, I'll just have a head down because I'll just yeah. be like, oh my God, please say my name, please say my name, please say my name. <laughs> okay, we've got past it. Please be second, please be second. Okay, we've got to say, please be first, please be first. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking, isn't it, honestly? Never yeah, it's easier. so nerve-wracking. <laughs> I think it's fairly hard to know where to start showing a dog, even the mm-hmm. entry forms. They are so confusing to novices, oh, aren't they? yeah. Do you have any tips or advice for anyone thinking about showing their dog? Like, how did they start? Is there any groups they can join? Any advice? Yeah, 100%. So the best thing that I did was join a ring craft class. Um, and it's for obviously the same like-minded people that are getting into, from beginners to experienced people, they still go to ring craft classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about getting the handling perfect is the top and bottom of it, really. So you taught handling down to a T, um, make sure your lines are straight everything has got to be perfect you, rather than just turning up not knowing what you're doing and copying like I it does really put things into perspective and you can practice the, the correct pace for your breed of dog and things like that so I would 100% recommend a ring a good ring class class because also there's people there with the same breed or at least mm. the same you know group of dog and they always have like leaflets they can hand out of shows that are going on you can take them you've got entry forms in there so, um, yeah, they were for me really helpful. I think it's helpful at um, Ringcraft classes as well to have like-minded breed people there because there's certain ways you'd show slightly different breeds, how you'd handle a smaller breed to a larger breed and things like that. So how we, how, you know, being able to get advice off them is really helpful. You have quite a menagerie at home, Lois. You've got a Cocker, Toy Poodle, Wheaton. Have I got them all? Do you have any more? Cavalier King Charles Spaniels and oh, yeah, my course. sister has a yeah and my sister has an American bull mastiff as well so yeah right pick a mix so Cavaliers were your first though right they were yeah definitely we just had them as family pets really um because they are so they're just like pillows aren't they with legs yeah, so they were just so a family pet from when I was <laughs> when I was a kid um and we've had like four at a time but then obviously I got into grooming and I was I wanted to be a little bit more adventurous. So that's how I got the cocker and poodle and things like that then. Yeah. You you even ride horses, you run your business. Like what's the typical mm-hmm. day in the Dalton household look like? I mean, you're all a busy chick. Well, salon opens around eight or nine o'clock in the morning and it's full steam ahead. So the salon is mental busy at the moment, especially after lockdown. Um so I'll probably, it depends on the on the day. I tend to work late some days a week. So I can be in, in the salon until 8 o'clock at night. Then as soon as I finish work, it's straight down to the stables, um, see for the horses. I've got a Shetland pony myself at the minute. Um, my <laughs> sister's got a bigger horse, a more practical one, but I have a Shetland pony. Um, and yeah, do, they take up a lot of time as well as the dogs. So yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy, but it's good fun. I love it. I love it. Does, do your dogs come to work with you then? They do, yeah, because obviously my salon's at home, so I just have my door open and they oh, can lovely. come in and out when they want. And yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I mean, 
I have to say from having like a really big salon and then now having a separate building at home that I can work from, it's like yeah. absolute game changer for me. Just being mm-hmm. able to, in between clients, just pop in, make the lunch. It's just, I, I feel like my work-life mm-hmm. balance is so much better having this set up. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much easier. I mean, it's nice. It would be nice to go to and from work so you could separate the two. Mm. But then I, I don't think I could do it now. I've always worked from home. So I, I just, I, I'm so lucky to do it like this, to have it at home where I can, like you say, just pop in and, and pop out. So it's, it's perfect for me. I think when you've got your own dogs whose coach you're maintaining, though, and things like that, it's just, it mm. becomes a bit of a chore on a Sunday having to get in the car and go to your workplace. Whereas for me, I can just get up early and just, you know, go turn my bath on and just nip down the garden. And and I think, you know, I think probably the same for you because yeah. you're maintaining dogs. It actually works out mm-hmm. better being at home because, you know, you can, in between dogs, you can just dip your dogs in the bath or quickly take them out for a walk. And, you know, it's just so much yeah. easier. Absolutely. Yeah. We just had a new bathroom fitted in our house and there's no way they'd be going in there. So it's so much easier having a bath just in the garden in my salon so they can just it's literally just on the other side of the gate straight in there wash them down keep on top of them like that it's oh it's fantastic and we, that way the bathroom in the house isn't trashed that's true I actually remember before I became a dog groomer and having a salon washing my Dobermans like I had to get in the wet room downstairs <laughs> I'd be I'd have to strip into like a bikini and just get in there with the dogs because it was the only way They'd be skittling around on the wet water tray. Yeah. They'd be like, there'd literally be Doberman hair on the ceiling. You yeah. know, so I really feel for people who are still trying to oh, groom their I dogs do, at so. home, you know, yeah. trying to get the Labrador in the bath. It's oh. oh, you can imagine. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> so what does 2021, 2022 hold out for Lois? Like, what's on your goals list? What you are looking forward to? Well, most importantly, I'm looking forward to getting back out showing because I did just before lockdown get a new wheat terrier a little puppy um a female so I would love to have been able to get her out last year obviously it was impossible but so yeah this this year maybe next year coming I would ideally love to get her out there I know she's missed a couple of years of showing now but just to get a, get started on her would be amazing and also before I before lockdown I started doing a bit of traveling as well um yeah you I did just, yeah just got my foot in the door doing a bit of traveling exploring so I'd love to pick up with that where I left off I guess I I was gonna say when I think about you know that age-old question like hobbies and interests I would definitely Mm -hmm. say look at your socials you know you absolutely love traveling I did yeah I've I've never done it I just never had the time obviously with with having the the business and and as many dogs and horses as I do it's hard you can't just drop everything and go away but obviously it's, it's ideal you know I have a good family that help me you know look after the dogs and and living at home and stuff like that so yeah I just bit the bullet and just went for it just it was literally December January February before lockdown in March mm. and I just crammed as much as I could into those couple of months and I was so lucky to be able to do it yeah. um, and I really enjoyed it it was it's it's nothing better than learning other cultures and and seeing different countries and how people live it was fascinating so I'd love to do that again if I can Where, where's next on your travel list well I would like to do maybe Bali or Indonesia oh, yeah places like that but then again I just I just love a holiday in Greece you know at the moment anything will do <laughs> anywhere please <laughs> anywhere anywhere please but um yeah I think I think Bali and Indonesia would be a great place to see next so yeah, yeah it looks amazing it's Definitely. obviously it's quite far away 
Uh, is it 10? Yeah. 10 plus flight, hours yeah. flight. A lot of people from Australia holiday there, don't they? Because it's, it's close by. So much closer to those. Yeah, I went to Thailand and that, I mean, that was a heavy flight. That was, you know, mm. having to go to Dubai first and then to Thailand, it was a long time. Um, and I know Bali's even further than that. So I didn't like the flying situation part of it, but it's so worth it when you're there. You don't oh, really think agree. about it. Once you get off the plane, you don't think about that. <laughs> Obviously, you've been enveloped into the world of dog shows for some time now. What would you say was your proudest moment? Oh, well, I'd say there was, there was two two major ones that stand out for me, I'd say. the Obviously, the first one was the getting the dog ticket at Crofts. That mm-hmm. was 2019. Um, that was unbelievable. That was my first time with Rupert at Crofts. Incredible. His first, yeah, his first wow. class in open dog. Because um, he'd only just been made up to a champion, and he was. I just said to Brian and Dylan, I was like, "Yeah, let's just stick him in open dog. Why not? What have we got to lose?" It was a huge class of Wheatons, and yeah, he got the dog ticket, and there was tears, there was everything. It was just, I a, bet. yeah, unbelievable. So that would be that definitely the highlight of my showing mm-hmm. career. 100%. You were just walking around, cross like, why, why is this crazy girl grinning so much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just crying at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then again. But then if we're going back to dog grooming, I would definitely say getting groomer of the year. Again, that was a feeling a day I'll never, I wouldn't want to forget, but it was just, yeah. Such great accolades, Lewis. Amazing. Oh, well done to you. I mean, you're really dedicated to grooming though. Like, you know, you work hard for it though. It's not, it's not come easily, has it? You know, we all work really hard to be, you know, great groomers and, you know, your testament to that. I think that, you know, you've worked really hard and it really shows. Thank you. That that really means a lot because it is. Um, that's all it's about. It's just not giving up and keep going. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, gosh, you know the amount of workshop classes I did until I went up to the championship yeah. class. I can't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they do all pay off. Every single minute you spend learning doesn't half pay off. It really does. Yeah. So I get asked from a lot of people who are thinking about a career in dog grooming for advice. So what would what would be the advice you would give to these people who are looking at changing their career path now? Obviously, yeah. everything's been a bit uncertain. I think people are questioning their jobs and their careers at the moment. Yeah. Um, the beauty of dog grooming is it's something you, you can do at home. Anyone can do it. Um, but you have to do it the right way. I, I can't stress enough how important it is to go about the right training. Um, even looking at getting qualifications is so important you know I spent years trying to get my city and girls I had to have three years worth of training and and to sit my exams it was hard work traveling up and down to different examiners and doing practical tests and written papers and things like that but it's not it isn't a career you can just learn online or on a six-week course it, it all comes with experience and I learned on the job luckily I have an apprenticeship as well so as part of doing my apprenticeship, I had to sit my exams before I could be employed. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I, I had to go through the right training of, of groomers that are also fully qualified. They were also in the world of showing and competitive dog grooming. And they were a godsend to me, really, because they, they pushed me in the right path, the right direction. And, um, you know, it, was, it didn't come easy, but this isn't the type of job that you could do if it was easy. It's just not like that. So if it is something you want to do you have to take it seriously you have to take the training and the learning side of it definitely seriously it's not anything to do with you know playing with dogs and just because you love dogs doesn't mean to say you can do it you really have to be dedicated to this as a a career in an industry really 
Yeah, and there's an awful lot of support in this industry as well. There's a lot of really kind groomers out there who are there to, you know, help just give you a little push along, aren't there? And when you are, I think when you have qualified as a groomer, when you've done a course, you can find courses on various places. I think the Grooming Spotlight's a really good place because they're all accredited training schools on there. Um, I think that once Mm -hmm. you are qualified, I think I would push anybody to try and just enter a grooming competition because I'm sure you'll say the same. Like I've learned so much from grooming competitions and also showing dogs, like just throwing myself in in the heart of it all. Absolutely. yeah. You wouldn't believe how the the grooming competitions are far more than just setting up on a table and grooming a dog. The people that you meet, even the dogs that you see, other groomers grooming, it's fantastic. And and keep not competitive grooming. It keeps your own standards you know at a level that you want to maintain and 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 just get better and better from there so yeah 100 percent would recommend a grooming competition to anybody that's you know got a dog that they like be it your own dog a customer's dog that you think's got the right coat and um, go for it because you will learn so much about yourself your capabilities your dog everything whilst you're there yeah definitely really good advice lois now we're going to go on to the agony ant section. So I'm not sure what your DMs look like, Lois. Mine are filled with doggy questions. <laughs> I'm sure yours aren't. <laughs> so I thought it'd be really great to answer a few on this pod for you. So if anybody has a question to ask me, make sure you send it to me in a message and I will try to answer as many as possible on Dog on the Pod. So the first one is from Judith. She says, hi, Verity, a quick miniature poodle clipper question. So obviously for Verity and Lois today. Um, I have a miniature that I grew myself. I inherited my mum's corded clippers. They are great for her body. I'm looking for something cordless for her face. Uh, Do you have any recommendations? Oh, excellent. So I had a really good pair of Esculap ones, actually. They were cordless. Um, the battery lasted fantastic. The only thing I found with them is they were quite clumpy, um, quite quite wide, if that makes sense. They were quite big, but but they were really good. They were handy, and I do think cordless are better. Um, and there are a pair, like I say, I've got my eye on them, but they go with the H, is it Heineken? Oh, Heineken's. Heineken is a Swiss company. They make really good quality clippers. So, yeah, I use a lot of Heineken mm-hmm. clippers. Trimmers for the face-wise, I do use something like an Arco, you know, that has the blades which move from the 30 down to a 10. I just find they're really quite good. I just use those for all my preps. So like I'll do 30 under under the pads, then I'll switch and do 10 with on the groin area, whip out the armpits. And then if Mm -hmm. I'm doing any fine work, like poodles, face, feet, I'd I'd use those those on them as well. But I mean, when we trained, Lois, I'm sure you were the the same. Like we just had to just use our big corded clippers to do like a little toy poodle's face, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It was hard. Really old <laughs> school. Yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah, the Escalate ones are good. They're, they're good for doing the, if it's just a pet trim, the red ones are really good. But doing the fine work on a pool, these little tiny um, mm. white Escalate ones are good. They've got little brown paws on them. So I don't know the name and model of them, but they were quite, they were really good to so just do the fine work on yeah. like little Nina. They really do work well on her. I think they're a, they're like a type of an there's the Asculap Accurata and then they have a mini like a really tiny one. I think Heineger have a, oh, the yeah. same version. They've got like a really a mini which is really good if you do have a lot of poodles or you just want something that's really easy to hold to like mm-hmm. do the pads and you know really just get all that. Especially I, I'm sure you'll see with terriers they get those yeah. like really cruddy feet, don't they? So just to get all that out of their out of their paw pads. Oh, yeah. 
I've got another question here. It says, mm-hmm. hi, Verity. Uh, just read about your podcast. Mm. Congratulations. I'd appreciate being kept anonymous. I have two small dogs. Mm. One is seven and the other is nine. They are both toilet trained, but they'll constantly lift their leg in the house. We've ne- we never catch them in the apps, so we're not sure if it's one of them, both of them, what the situation is. I suspe- suspect they're marking. Um, they're absolutely spoiled rotten. Is there anything you can suggest about training these older dogs? They never poo in the house, so it's just, yeah, they're obviously just urinating. So they are seven and nine. Now, I don't. I, my question here would be whether they're entire or not. I think that would be my number one question. But what's your the same thing? Yeah, what's mm-hmm. your first thoughts on this? Obviously, with them both being males as well, it's a competitive thing, isn't it? It's just a dominance thing that they do mark in the territory. Um, yeah, I think the bigger question is if they are entire or castrated, and also what they're doing it on. You know, if it's a certain object remove the objects until it's a habit that could be broken there's no they do say old dogs can't learn new tricks but I don't think that's true because it is you can train any any dog at any age so it's not something that she's going to have to put up with forever it's just a case of if it is habit breaking it's just about you know sorting that out really nipping it in the bud but um like if it's on a plant or if it's it's hard if it's on the sofa I guess but if it's little things like that can be moved Oh my gosh, imagine. Um, yeah, just probably about moving moving things around or, you know, not letting them into that certain part of the room if you can, just for a short time. Just It sounds like it's not going to be a long process if you just probably go about the steps the right way. Um, again, I'm not a dog trainer and I don't, mm. I've never been in this situation, but it, it does sound like it's just competitive males, you know, yeah. like boys. You can get, I think you can get like a, a willy band, can't you, for them? <laughs> Strap oh, it away. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Velcro strap that goes, I think it's just to stop them, the urge of them wanting to do it. And I think it's quite, I, th- I feel yeah. like it's a common problem, especially where mm-hmm. you obviously you've got multiple entire dogs living in, 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 in the same house that I feel like they have this belly band that they'll just put on them in the house and it just stops the urge of them urinating. But I mean, I only have bitches, so I don't, I've never experienced this problem. Oh, uh, no. I mean, I have boys and they, they've never really done that. They did that when they were younger, obviously as little puppies and things like that. They go into a bit of a stage when they're about one where they'll mm-hmm. just pop the leg up on things but <laughs> again yeah, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big boy now but, um, yeah <laughs> but then like you say they, they grow out of it within you know a couple of weeks and they learn to go outside and things like that so it's easy so I've never been in that position where I've got two males that are doing it like that you know sort of dominating each other that's what it sounds like um, but mm. the belly band's a good idea I suppose you could find something as long as it's soft material like a um something that's stretchy and, and nothing too uncomfortable you could probably just tie it around just while they're indoors just to break yeah. the habits of cycle isn't it so that's what I, that's what I feel like it looks like a cummerbund you know that guys wear for like yeah. yeah and it's like stretchy and soft and it literally just it's quite wide and it yeah. just you know just goes around yeah, the yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely but I think it, a lot of it could be that if they're not castrated either as well that could play a big part So next, we are talking about our breed focus section. In today's breed focus, we are going to be talking about all things soft-coated wheat and terrier. Obviously, (laughs) this Irish breed was a farm dog and small holding dog originally. And it's a lively, inquisitive dog. It's really easily distinguished by their golden waves and their full, full fringe. 
So I think it's safe to say that Lois has fallen in love with this breed. And from someone who actually owns and handles the breed, let's get the 411 and what they like to live with. Could this be a great alternative to a cockapoo, maybe, if you're considering a venture into a new breed? So tell me, Lois, what's their temperaments like? Are they sociable? And can they actually see through that full fall of hair? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I've I've never had a terrier before, so they are my first terrier um, that I've owned, and I wouldn't say they are like terriers really, because they they obviously have that little flash of terrier traits in them. You know, they're quite they can be quite feisty when um, you know around like when they see birds on a walk and things like that. They like chasing things and, and they like chasing a ball and all sorts of things like that. They're very inquisitive and really quick, sharp, really clever, like terriers are in general, but. I wouldn't say that they are typical terriers. They're not, they are so placid. And, mm. They're not um, really keen well, and fixated not. on stuff. Exactly. Like, maybe like a terrier like would be, yeah. Absolutely not. I have, a, I have a male and a female and they are both so different. The male is so quiet. Um, he's so reserved. He's so laid back. He will just sleep anywhere, everywhere. He's lovely. But when he, you know, when he's in mode, he will, he will switch on. He's like a different dog. So intelligent. They are lovely to live with. Um, they have this thing called the wheat and greeting, apparently. That's the thing oh, yeah. where they just bounce around on back. I was going to say, is it jumping up and down? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I hear a lot of people say that they have them in the salon as, as clients and they're not, you know, they're nothing like that and people can't get on with them. But they, honestly, they are the most, I will always, always have them now. They are 100% my favourite breed. They're just beautiful to live with. So easy to the only thing that's difficult about them is the coat obviously but they're so easy to train they are easy to live with they just fit in whenever wherever they are just such lovely dogs and friends they just they're beautiful honestly yeah for trimming you don't have to keep them in such a long coat though I groom mm-hmm. I would say nearly all the Wheatons I've groomed in the past have always had more of a pet style version so they'll have a take on the face with the short ears and obviously the full fall maybe clear slightly more at the sides so they can see a bit better and then like a slightly shorter version on the body of of what we see so I feel like there are practical hairstyles that you could have on the breed aren't there to make it easier to live with yeah absolutely for for anyone that's got a pet meat and then definitely a short trim will be better Um, I have mine in full show coats and they are so difficult to keep up with they're just like poodle coats they're just like even cockapoo coats they are hard work they mm. they are you know having to be bathed and fully conditioned every single week and um, brushed and combed right through and especially at the moment I have a, a bitch that's quite young she's still one and they don't mature their coat fully until they're at least two to three years old mm-hmm. but at the minute although she's over one years old she has this really thick fluffy puppy coat it's like a beach on at the minute it's so difficult <laughs> and I can coma and coma every single day and as soon as she just sits down and stands back up again it's like she's not enough already she looks so like they, she's they, put her little paw oh, in a socket absolutely <laughs> she's like a birth pillow um but yeah she the is the hardest part about them is definitely the coat and the grooming but yeah for pets keep them nice and short definitely it's, it's so practical for them because they're quite an active breed it's mm-hmm. so much easier to keep it shorter for for anybody that's got one as a pet dog definitely I feel like I see more and more of them around at the moment I don't know whether they're having a resurgence in just my area or Ooh. you know whether you've noticed seeing more about more of them about I don't have that many around here um I have one as a as a client on my book yeah. Um, and that's only it's a client that I know through showing she bought a copy from another friend through mm-hmm. 
bio show breeder so she comes to me but we don't see many around here no unfortunately and you know it is a it is a lovely breed I would love to see more of and every everywhere I take mine people stop me ask me what they are and people say oh these schnauzers are the cockapoos and yeah no. but they because they're just not really that known a lot but I hope it's a breed that does pick up and and people learn more about really because they are they're so underrated they're fantastic yeah, 100%. I think that our, you know, native and as well, obviously our Irish breeds, whatever, wherever their origins, you know, it's really important that we um, we keep owning these dogs and um, and trying to promote them because obviously it's really important for their, their numbers, for, for their gene diversity, all, all the rest of it. Is there any health issues that you notice with Wheatons? Is there anything that potential owners need to be aware of? This, I mean, the more serious side of the health issues, they have, um, they're quite, it's not common, but they are known to have some renal dysplasia um, and also protein-based health problems. Again, it's nothing that can't be sorted if it's caught early enough. But the only thing that I would say that I've noticed in, in both of mine is slight, they can get slight around the summertime, spring also, a little bit itchy skin. But nothing, it's nothing like too major that I, but I just find that they start nibbling a little bit, at their, you know, nibbling at their paws and things like that a little bit more when it starts getting warmer. But they are a breed that don't like heat. Mm. Um, they love to be cool. As soon as they start getting warm, I find that they can get a little bit itchy. And I have, I'm on obviously a wheat and grooming page on Facebook and a lot of people say, oh, mine's got a little bit of itchy skin, a bit of dermatitis. It's all just basic things like that that a lot of people see at the minute with any dog. Um, but I wouldn't say they have anything serious health issues. You know, like some dogs are prone to more heart problems, hip problems, things like that. Yeah. There's nothing really too serious in Wheatons. Apart from the, really the renal dysplasia is probably the most common, but nothing too bad. So a little Wheaton fact, it's known as the poor man's wolfhound because the Irish peasants weren't permitted to own beagles, spaniels or hounds by law. These were for the gentry. So they owned and developed the Wheaton, which really became a true farmer's hand and really retains that versatility today. Thanks so much, Lois, for telling us all about Wheatons. That's been really insightful. I've obviously, I've never owned a Wheaton, groomed a few, but it's, I think when they come into your grooming salon as well, you don't see the the true picture of what they're like to live with and, and everything. So that's so lovely. Quick fire round. Now we're near the end of episode two. And we're going to round things off with a really quick fire round. So I'm going to ask everybody these questions. So I want to really quick, honest answers. And as ever, no bull, Lois. So (laughs) are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) I think so. Go. (laughs) Okay. Dog food of choice. Okay. So mine on Albion Mm Raw. Fave place to walk. Definitely the forest. Lovely. Number of dogs under your roof right now. Seven. Seven. If you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? Oh, good one. Um, definitely a poodle. Nice. My poodle is so sassy. She has a great time being a poodle, yes, definitely. Yes, sister. Fave holiday destination? Oh, Thailand, definitely. Your worst nightmare dog breed to own? Oh, German Shepherd. <laughs> I'm so sorry for everybody that loves German Shepherds. <laughs> I groom so many in the salon and they they just trash my salon every single one of them they love breaking things they love mm-hmm. making a mess they love making noise oh yeah no, it's just not a breed that could i could have <laughs> personally apologies everyone <laughs> no no offense taken <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Lois. We'd be absolutely delighted if you gave us a follow on at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram and at Lois Dalton. Thank you for everybody for listening. And please don't forget to rate five stars only and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. Much love.